0: Welcome back to another episode of School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello. Uh, this week, being joined by another RBM contributor, uh, really the head honcho over there, uh, one of them at least, uh, Calvin. Calvin, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Gino. How's it going, man? Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, nah, no, uh, it's not too bad over here. I mean, hey, we, uh, we're talking about a win, so that's always a plus, um, and we're getting to that right now. Um, obviously, yeah. Everton took on Southampton this past weekend uh, They def- in the first game of the Premier League season. They defeat Southampton 3-1. Went behind a goal uh, in the 22nd mi- minute uh, by, of course, Adam Armstrong, who was making his debut in typical Everton fashion. Um, <laughs> but uh, they did bounce back. Goals from Richarlison in the 47th minute, Decore in the 76th, and Calvert-Lewin to cap it off in the 81st. Gave them the 3-1 win. All three of Everton's goals were scored in the second half, which is equal to the total of uh, second-half goals the team has scored over the last 16 home matches. Uh, And it's also their first Premier League win after losing at halftime since September of 2015 against West Brom. Um, They went in with five players in isolation, Godfrey, Gomes, Keane, Gabamon, and and James, I think, were the five. Uh, Let's talk about the first half first. We'll get to the good stuff in a second. But what what went wrong there in the in the first half for Everton?
2: All right. So so it was
1: interesting. I I I think there was there was quite a bit of uh, Everton just feeling itself out, right? Um first competitive match under Benitez as the manager. Um obviously not his ideal first choice lineup with the uh, you know with Hamas out and Godfrey out. Um Definitely, South, Southampton. Obviously, uh, despite Southampton missing two of their key players, right? Uh, Danny Eng's gone, Yannick Vesterol gone too. So, um, but again, they they, sh- they look a lot more fluid than we did. Uh, we we were looking like we were still trying out the new formation. Um, obviously, that centre back pairing, and I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Uh, you know, that that seemed like a weak link even before the goal. Yeah. Um, I'll just we have seen Keen and Holgit play together before, and they just—they're not on the same wavelength. Um, I, I kind of get, uh, you know, Rafa's thinking there about pairing a slower guy with a quicker guy, um, and that's probably why maybe Mina and Keen was not the first choice uh, selection there. But um, and then I, I think as far as the attack goes, though, I, I think they looked good, right? Uh, as far as even in the first half. We didn't get any goals, but if you think about it, like uh, you know, Richie got free down the left. I think he swung in this great cross that Dom didn't even expect. So he was you know, like maybe half a second too late sliding in. Um, you know, Gray looked active. He was he was lively. He had the ball at his feet. Townsend was zipping in crosses. So I think on the attack front, I think we were fine. Um, the, def- the defense was where well. I think there was uh, there was probably some some area for Southampton to exploit. And, you know, with, the, with their high press, uh, they were able to.
0: Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think you're right. I think a lot of, you know, being down one nothing at, a half, at the half took a lot away, uh, away from what we did well, which, again, we did a lot really? of things well in attack. Um, but, again, defensively yeah. was a problem, and it showed, I think, even more so after the first goal. Uh, you started right. to see Che Adams and Armstrong start to give Holgate and Keane a lot of trouble. Uh, towards the end of that first half um let's talk about the goal obviously the goal um basically a gift from michael keen (laughs) playing around with the ball in his own half not nobody behind him two guys pressing him and and just gives the ball up takes way too much time on the ball um and uh it it ends in a goal for adam armstrong the the debutant for uh um for southampton um what what was keen thinking on that play is i know you said it a little <laughs> bit but he probably is yeah. he that center back pairing and if so i mean again i think the second half was a good oh, better man. display of what he can do but um, right right give me your keen analysis from the first half <laughs>
2: so you know
1: keen has struggled every time we have to play a high back line right because You know, the expectation, or not just a high back line. I think every time we've tried to play out, Keane is not the man for that purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And and take a look at Keane's background, right? He's he's a Burnley defender. That's where he kind of made his name, right? Burnley don't play the ball out from the back, right? (laughs) Burnley are backs to the wall, you know, siege mentality defending. And that is where Keane is at his best, Right yeah, absolutely. I, I want Keane on my team if we're defending a one, you know, one nil lead later on in a game and everyone's, you know, peppering the box with crosses. Keane's great. He's great for that purpose. But, you know, when you're trying to play out the back and, you know, you're looking for that pass, Keane's not the best at it. And again, this is the Premier League, right? You don't have all day to make a pass. And, and that's exactly the way he went wrong, right? Um, he thought he had more time than he actually did. Um, did he need that time? Um, I have seen some criticism that no one made themselves available to him, which again, not unheard of, you know, it's criticism for Everton, I think for a long time, because everyone seems to shy away from the ball. And especially without Thomas on the pitch, you, you're missing that one guy who's like, Hey, give me the ball, give me the ball. So, but again, that doesn't excuse Keane, right? When you're in trouble, hoof the ball away, right? It's, it's, it's simple. So, I, I again keen well, well, he he's old enough at this point right he's not 21 he's not 22 He's not he's played enough games he's got he's got enough experience I don't think we can we, I don't think he can be fixed I think this is who he is and so this means for Everton to become eventually a top six side he cannot be a starter in that lineup
0: yeah no I, I agree I think um I, you know, thinking back on the play, I think there is, uh, you know, obviously a um, a reason for the calls of saying nobody came became available to him, which because because there was, you know, Holgate's kind of standing next to him, which is what brought the second defender over there in the first place. Um, right. But again, like you said, once Holgate comes over there and there's two defenders on him, Keene still has about, you know, five, ten seconds to play the ball somewhere oh. else to boot it out of play. Right. Or, and he kind of kicks the ball forward and, like, rolls it forward. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, what do you expect to happen?
1: Inexplicable, right. Yeah. Yep,
0: yep. And, and you're sitting there, of course, and, and Everton, as we mentioned, we're playing well in attack. Defensively, we're getting, mm-hmm. you know, but we hadn't really given up many chances, many many top chances, many great chances. So you felt yeah. good about the Everton performance. Maybe not great, but, but well enough. Yeah. Um, yep. And then the goal comes, and it kind of ruins all that. But then <laughs> – there was the second half and there was a halftime uh, and that really changed everything. Uh, Everton get three yeah. goals in the second half, the first by um, like yeah. not even two minutes into the into the second half. What changed for you in the second half? Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, you, you know,
1: I, I think R- R- Rafa obviously changed everything, right? Um, so with, with that keen holgate pairing, um, and I think he spoke about this too after the game, Rafa was... He wanted to have Keane on the left side of that pairing, even though both him and Holgate are right-footed, um, only because he felt with Keane's experience, he could probably overcome that wrong-footedness there, which, mm-hmm. you know, Holgate's equally guilty of. Holgate, you know, made boneheaded errors in the same area as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it was a guess, I guess. It didn't work. Um, so yeah, I think Rafa changed those two guys. He swapped them, right? And it seemed to work a lot better, um, again, Holgate aerially not very good despite his his his, his build and his height. Um, somehow he just does not seem to be able to win enough aerial balls, which is very disappointing. Um, so I, I think that switch made a difference. I think Everton looked a lot more solid in the back. Um, I think another couple of switches that I see that I saw was. Um, Alan seemed to fall back a little more and Doqueray is the one who went like really in front and made himself available you know became an extra man in the attacks um, in fact that that's that's exactly what created his goal as well because he wasn't just pushing up to you know say the the, the top of the center circle he was pushing right into the box that's where mm-hmm. he picked up the ball from Iwobi too when, when he scored um, that was a change and then I think the interesting one as well in the attack was because, like I said, I thought the attack was doing fine.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: moving Richarlison into the middle and then Gray out to the side, you know, that, that kind of took us away from that 4-2-3-1 that Rafa had set us up into more like the 4-4-2 that we used to play last season when we had Richie sort of playing off Dom. And Richie seems to revel in that role, right? Mm-hmm. Again, so Richie is one of those guys who wants the ball, right? Uh, yeah. I, I know he'll turn it over about like 80% of the times he gets it, but at least he wants the ball. He wants he wants to make things happen. um. And, and that pressure was very interesting. From the start of the second half, I think we had six, maybe it was seven corners in like just the first 10 minutes of yeah. the second half, all on the same side, all on the left. Or maybe one was the other way or something like that. Yeah. but. It, 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 was, it, was, it was amazing. I, I, think, I think Rafa really identified that the left was where he wanted to really sort of turn the screws on the Saints, um, you know, taking advantage of Livermente. The, you know, I, I think about he's, say, uh, yeah. he's sort of a, a rookie right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I really thought Livermente played very well in the first half. He had, he had like, Richie like, under wraps.
2: Uh, he yeah. was first
1: to every ball, was on top of him. But yeah, I think in the second half they decided. All right, here's the rookie, here's the kid. Let's let's let you know. Let's put the overloads on him. Um, I I couldn't recall a single time I saw Dini in the in the opposing half in the first half. Yeah. yeah. In the second half, he almost lived there. So yeah. I, I think that that was the difference. I think we we committed that. Hey, we need to attack a lot more. And I think that that's already a key difference we've seen from from Rafa that you know Carlo wouldn't do. Carlo would attempt to get an early goal and then shut up shop and if we didn't get that early goal we would play for a draw and and just there was just no attacking intent because I think he wanted to commit to not conceding goals whereas with Rafa and I think it's, it's possibly because he identified Southampton as as a weaker opponent and it was like why are we sitting back at home with a full Goodison Park here right so Let's let's throw everything at him. You know the crowd's gonna obviously support us, and uh, and it, and it works out.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, it's refreshing to see that for once because it's not even just a Carlo situation. It feels like that's been kind of the case in in a, in a couple other situations. But it was very dominant in the Carlo era where yeah. we would get a goal early and we would sit back yeah. and we wouldn't go push for a second goal. Even if we got a goal in the 65th minute, it would be like okay, right. we're up one nothing. We no need to do anything else. Which is can get yeah. frustrating. That that's what invites the pressure. You invite more and more pressure, and eventually a goal is going to come. But that was right. the refreshing part because even after we went up two one, we went three one, and then even after we went up three one, we were still pushing for that fourth goal. So
2: yeah, yeah. Um,
0: you know, in terms of the left hand side, yeah, I, they mentioned it on the uh, you know the broadcast that every time the ball tried to get put in Richarlison like a long ball in Richarlison on the left side, it just seemed like he couldn't get on the top of that uh, liver, uh Is it, it's Liveramente? I think it is right.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's
0: um, was, yeah. He was in the right spot at the you know at every time, but um, in the second half, it just felt like felt like we were putting pressure on them consistently. Um, like you said, Ducore, I thought Ducore was phenomenal in the second half. I thought that he got on the ball a ton, and I thought that he mm-hmm. pushed us forward. And he was really box to box the entire second half, which I thought was great. And again, you know, a testament to what he's been saying. Rafa wants him to do um, and and be yeah. more involved in the offense, which is great. Um, and again, with the Richarlison thing, it, it allowed him to move more freely across the front line. Mm-hmm. And of course we saw yeah. how it affected the second goal or the third goal with, uh, with Calvert Lewin, where on the right-hand side, whips the ball in there, but he also had play from the left-hand side up the middle. And I think it just creates a new dynamic and cre- creates a problem for those center backs. They have to choose yeah. somebody, choose somebody to attack and it, it creates some holes in the, um, In the defense. But again, all in all, I think it was a fantastic second half um, performance. And that's what led to the win. Um, How important do you think? Obviously, we mentioned full Goodison Park. How important was that to this team pushing them forward, even when they were down one nothing?
1: Huge, huge, right? I mean, we, we saw Everton's miserable home record last season, right? When, uh, when we didn't have fans in the stands. And in fact, I think we had two or three games where we had like maybe two to 3,000 fans allowed mm-hmm. and yeah. we won those games, right? Yeah. So it, 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 it's really a tangible, tangible effect. And, and maybe for, for Everton, a lot more than many of the other teams in the Premier League. I, I think we really, really need um the, the home support and when we're playing at home, we really need the, you know, the, the whole place to be not toxic. We've we've seen a lot of that over the last ten years. Um, you know, like a toxic goodison has almost become a cliche, right? Yeah. um I'm thinking back to when you know you'd see Barkley turn the ball over and the whole stadium would get on his back. And I mean, look, I, I I'm not a big fan of Barkley either, but if he's wearing the blue jersey, then you cannot get on his face, right? There's a time and place for that, but during the game is not the time. So, no, having the fans there in full voice getting involved, and and they were, I think, right from the outset, right? You know, there was a lot of concern that, you know, maybe when Rafa was introduced before the game that there might be some booing or something. In fact, I think I'd even seen on Twitter that maybe Everton will not do the formal announcement of the new manager before the game just to avoid the awkwardness because we were on the broadcast. But... No, I, I, think, I think he was well-received, um, I, I, and, 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 the, and the fans, yeah. You know, I heard a few boos at halftime, at half but, I mean, when have you not? I'd say, yeah. right? I don't think there was anything, <laughs> anything majorly critical there. So, no, the fans were important, and I think even after the game, uh, everyone's acknowledged it, Rafa himself. Has I think in a couple of press concerts press con press statements, sorry, um, since the game, uh, you know, mentioned how important it was to have the fans there, how much their their support really mattered, both for him personally and for the team.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it was you know a different. It's a different team out there when there are fans in the stands. And like you said, we talk a lot about the toxicity of Goodison and how toxic it can be, but when it's not toxic and when it was like it was yesterday. I mean, there's really no better place to play in in the Premier League. I mean, it feels like it's just, it gives you, you know, like if you're playing FIFA, it it gives you like an extra 10-point boost on all the, you know, know, it's it's unbelievable what the fans do. And um, it was really great watching it, hearing the fans all weekend, really, in in terms of everything that was happening. It it was really, you know, awesome to finally see fans back in the stands and, i um, happy to see, uh, you know, yeah. obviously a payoff for Everton as well. Um, we yeah. have talked about Richarlison a little bit. He was really all over the pitch as much as he could be. He was on the ball, mm-hmm. making plays, got the goal, got the assist. I know a lot of people, I think he was the, the man of the match in general. I think he was, um, I don't know if he was our man of the match. I don't know if that's what was voted for mm-hmm. us. But was he your man of the match in this one? Or was there somebody else that stood out that maybe played a better role?
1: So, uh, yeah, uh, actually, the fan vote did give it to Richie as well, uh, even on the site, the, the, the polls uh, and, 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 you know, the, the readers' grades. Um, yeah. Richie edged it from Do Khoury. And, and I'm going to talk about Do a little bit, only because, um, you know, I think Richie getting the man of the match seemed almost a formality. Obviously, he got a goal, he got an assist. But it was more an acknowledgement of the amazing summer he's had, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Just uh, what a summer, right? Again, last season for Everton wasn't his best at a personal level. Uh, You know, I I feel like we got on him a little bit. Uh, he, He seemed tired and jaded. Um and, and and it's surprising because I think having that summer with Brazil, uh, both at the Copa and then in the Olympics just seems to have somehow recharged him, even though he's played like I think fifteen games over the summer, competitive games over the summer. So it it's amazing. So uh I think the man of the match award for the first game back at Goodison with the fans, I think is sort of a just overall reward for how, how well He's played and how, what, what, how how good has been for the club and and, and you know and, and recognition of his form, but you know let, let's talk about Do Curry a little bit right. I, I think the the, the 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 midfielder we saw in the second half against the Saints that is who we signed and that is who we've needed for years now right. That that box to box energy, uh, you know intent passing with vision. Um, tackling with, with vigor, not just, you know, escorting folks back and forth. Uh, that's, that that was great. I was so happy to see his performance. I, I think the goal uh, was a sort of just reward for the amount of work he put in uh, on on Saturday. Um, and, and that shot, I mean, he, surely he, I guess he's been practicing shooting you know, all, all, all <laughs> summer because that was, that was top shelf, right? That, that was amazing. I, there was not a goalkeeper in the world who could have gotten to that one. That one kissed the inside of the post on yeah. its way in. It was a snapshot. He just pulled it out of his... looked like the chance was gone, really. Yeah. Right? And, then, and then he just fires that off. And wow, and the net's bulging. Incredible. So, so for me, personally, I, I think just overall work rate for everything that he did in the game. I thought Do should have gotten the man of the match. But I'll also just leave this out there. When you have two players on your team putting in man-of-the-match worthy performances, you're winning most of those games.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, um, again, you're right. With Richarlison, I think it was great to see him again. You know, it's like we felt like we hadn't seen this Richarlison in a year. It's You know, he was not yeah. himself last year. Maybe it was some of the things that were going on, you know, in terms of the system Carlo was playing. It just didn't fit his needs. Who knows? But, you know, this was the Richarlison that we're used to seeing. That was great. But in my personal opinion, I'm with you. I thought that if Ducore doesn't play the way that he played in the second half, we probably don't win that game. I thought he was so important and integral to everything we did offensively. It opened up – I mean, I think we said it in the chat. chat, Oh, I guess, you know, Rafa wants to play down the wings because that's all that was happening the entire first half. And then in the second half – you started to see Ducore just kind of fly up through the middle. It just felt like every time he got in the ball, there was an extra burst of energy from him. Even in the yep. 85th minute, he was sprinting up and down the field. And I, I mean, again, like you said, it's, it's something that we've been looking for and something that we've been needing yeah. desperately. So it was great to see that from him. I thought he was fantastic in the second half. Um, but again, like, you know, if you do have two people putting in man of the match performances, you're probably right. in good shape. <laughs> um yeah a couple things just to get thoughts on some of the new guys coming in um we'll talk about rafan a little bit and kind of an overall thought on his job so far in his first match but let's talk about the new guys you talked about gray a little bit we haven't really talked about townsend thoughts on their yeah. performances uh in this match
1: i i thought both both of them were solid i you know uh let's let, let's start with townsend right so um, getting consistent play um, from the wings, you know, that that's obviously been an issue for Everton for some time now. Um, getting someone who can match Dini for quality of delivery from the right, oh my God, that we've needed that so badly because that just gives you a much more balanced attack. Um, you know, with that sort of slightly lopsided formation Everton played under Carlo, you know, we knew that he wouldn't get anything going on on the right, right? So the right side was almost skewed to defend while Lucas Binier, you know, sort of went upfield and Mm -hmm. played, you know, played off uh, Richie there and tried to get crosses in the ball, uh, into the box for DCL. But this time, now having that potent weapon on the right, um, and and in fact, I'll I'll even make a note about Hamas. Even when Hamas played last season and when he was on the right, it seemed like Hamas did one of two things. He was either cutting in on his left foot and trying to take a shot or play a quick one, two into the box, or he was looking for the long diagnose behind the back line for Dini to run onto. We're not doing that anymore. Now it's now with Townsend there out on the right wing, we have a weapon who can cross the ball pretty like, like put in some really good balls. I'm thinking about that free kick that he zipped into the box that Mm -hmm. Like, the goalie McCarthy just got to, like, maybe a second before Richie did, right? It, it, felt, um,
0: like, it felt like there was a couple balls in the first and second half, I think, uh, mainly in the first half, that it was surprising that people didn't get on the end of. It felt like they were so right. good that it's like you're surprised that Dom wasn't there to put it in the back of the net.
1: I think you're right. I, I think Dom was surprised to see a cross come in from the right, right? So, he's yeah. like, whoa, what's this? I'm not used to this. So I think it'll take some time, obviously, Dom specifically and Richie, too, right? They haven't really trained with with the new guys, right? Yeah. that Saturday was pretty much the first time they were actually playing together as a unit. so I think that that only gets better from here. and then, yeah. um you know, let's talk about Demari Gray for a bit, right I again, loved loved his game he's he's now he's one of those outlets we've been talking about. He wants the ball he'll take the ball with his back to goal he'll he'll run into space and get it and he's willing to take people on right you know no longer is Richie the only person we have who you know is looking to dribble try to beat his man gray gray is trying to do the same thing yeah um, I, I think in the first half there was a there was a ball gray played maybe it was Dom out onto the right and then Dom tried to cross it back into the yeah, box yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, amazing yeah. That, right yeah, so that, yeah. that's the kind of playmaking ability we have lacked for some time um and so and seeing that fluidity with how easily gray and richie sort of you know swapped roles and they both seem comfortable playing wherever they are um that's going to be very useful against Leeds. and you know i know when we preview the the coming weekend game yes I'll, yeah. I'll mention that because that was that was a big part of why united absolutely tore those guys apart
0: yeah yeah and and yeah just to uh And like you said, we'll get to uh, leads in a little bit once we get to the the preview of that. But um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Townsend got the assist on the Richarlison goal. You know, finessed it over the top of the defense there, um, which was good. Um, But yeah, I thought he was really good. And and adds, you know, we went out. Rafa went out, and he said, "I'm going to go. I have a big guy in the middle that could jump really high and head the ball into the net. I'm going to get a guy who can put it on his head." And that's basically what Townsend does. And if you look, you know, after Townsend was signed, I was reading some things, and you read on Twitter, and people were like, you know, he had like 200 good crosses. It's just Christian Benteke was on the other end of those crosses, so they weren't getting (laughs) converted. So it'll be interesting to see after a few times how he adapts to play with Dom. And, again, he can cut in as well and whip in, as we saw in some of the preseason games, whip in, in, uh, you know, a shot. And then Damari Gray, like you said, the fluidity. I think versatility for this team is a big thing and being able to, you know, switch positions easily and and be able to have fluidity across that front line. And, um, you know, I think that he was, again, like you said, gets on the ball, pushes forward, shows an intent to attack. And I feel like that's something that sometimes we didn't have last year, which again could have been the tactics and whatnot, but um, that was, that was key. Uh, let's just wrap this up now and talk real quick about Rafa. We've talked about him a little bit, but first match officially in charge of Everton thoughts in his performance. And I guess the confidence you have in, in him now moving forward, whether it's gotten more same or, you know, whatnot.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, easy to overreact, right? First yeah. game of the season, first time we're seeing everyone together, the fans uh, in, in the stands. So, um, I, I think quick snapshots, um, Rafa's t- tactical game is spot on. You know, I, I think he's, he's very clear on, on what his team's strengths are. And so have, having that clarity helps him make the adjustments he needs. I, I think he's always been renowned as a very good reader of the game. Um, I, I think he showed that on Saturday. Um, that's not to say he'll always make the right choices. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be games where he's going to be absolutely flummoxed by what's happening, and will not have any resources to make those changes, or not the ability to make those changes. But again, trying to not overreact, um, <laughs> I, 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 I think I think he's he's get, he's getting this team. I think he's getting the team playing the way he wants. Uh, the four-two-three-one seems to be a pretty good fit for who we have, even though we don't necessarily have that recognized central attacking midfielder uh, number 10 person, um, which will become more important when we play a lot of teams um, that tend to bunker low, right? Yeah, so, yeah. A- again, and then and, and, and I think sticking with the not overreacting, right? It's hard to tell, right? The Saints don't look like a good team.
0: <laughs> no. I mean,
1: um, no. they, they don't, right? They, no. They've got some excellent players. I, 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 they, they do, and I, I think uh, Ralph Hasenhuttle is a good manager, but again, this is the team that I think got beat 9, was it 9-1 or 9-0, like at least twice in the last couple of seasons. So yeah. the Saints are not... In fairness, they
0: had a team. couple of red cards, I think. I think they had a red card in one of the <laughs> matches too. So we'll give them a break there. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> so again, I think the combination of this excitement, home crowd, first game, Everton being stronger than their opponent... Uh, the opponents sort of working their own issues out might have resulted in this win. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not going to take credit away from us. I, I, I think we played well. I think we were the better team and we won, which is not something we can always say because we have gone into games very often being the better team and have played the better football and somehow not walked away with three points. So I, I'll take it. You know, let's, 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 let's give it a few more games before we start um, seeing if Rafa really does have what it takes to take yeah. a team that's better than newcastle to a finish that's better than newcastle in
0: the league yeah yeah I, you stole the r- words right out of my mouth i mean i think that the there was a huge positive in the fact that we went up against a team that was worse than us and we beat a team that was worth the worse than us yep. pretty comfortably when it in the end um you know you're yeah. not sitting there on the edge of your seat hoping we could find a goal <laughs> in the fifth minute you know we got two goals right? they, they were late but we got two goals and um you know, we're pushing for another one. It wasn't like we were soaking up a ton of pressure. So um, definitely a good, and to see the tactics change at halftime and and see him recognize issues and then put into place how to fix them. That's huge. And just from this game perspective, that shows something that is obviously very good moving forward. But again, like you said, there's still a lot of time left in the season. I mean, it's easy to forget. I'm sure after the end of last season, on what's happened, but we did start last season with seven straight victories. So let's give it to him about 10, 15 (laughs) games in to really judge him. Um, But it's a good start. Definitely a good start and uh, excited to see what he can do now um, as we move forward. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and get into some Everton news, break down some transfer rumors, um, and then just talk about some little uh, stuff uh, that we haven't talked about on the pod since last time. So uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back on uh, School Science Radio, and now we're gonna get into some of the Everton news. Uh, kind of just break down some of the stuff that's been flying around um, in the past week or so. Uh, the transfer rumors, I guess, is the top of the top of the uh, the uh, list. And I, I put on here Broadhead loaned out to Southampton. Had Southampton on my mind. <laughs> meant Sunderland. <laughs> Um, that's, I guess, <laughs> the big one, the only confirmed thing that's happened over the last week. Right. Um, so, uh, thoughts on Broadhead being loaned out, uh, out to Sarnon, who's in league one right now, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, again, I, I think slightly disappointing. I, I think Broadhead, uh, again, having just been given a two year extension, it does, and he's already 23, right? So it does seem like this is sort of last chance saloon for him to prove that he can be a squad player Um, personal feelings on him having watched him for so many years I I feel he's a a championship level player at best Um, so um, I I really wanted to see him play in the championship and and show that he can actually hold down a starting role there Um, but you know Sunderland again huge club right Uh, one of the storied clubs in the country um, obviously, they've had some issues in recent times. They've fallen you know, down the pecking order. Uh, but I, I fully expect Sunderland to get promotion out of League One this year. Um, so I, I think, in a way, publicity-wise, this is actually a really good loan for him. He's mm-hmm. going to have a lot of eyes on him um, this season. Um, so I, I really do want to see him go there, do well, um, as, and you know, maybe actually hold down a starting spot, get consistent minutes. Um, again, he's on a two-year extension. So, best-case scenario for Everton, honestly, is he has a like completely mind-blowing breakthrough year, which then either makes him a squad player for us, mm-hmm. or at the end of the year, Sunderland go, wow, this guy's gonna be like a, a pretty much, you know, what we did with Aiden McGeady when he went out to Sunderland. You know, they decided they wanted him and they bought yeah. him off us, and and then that seems to be the I guess the best-case scenario for Broadhead.
0: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Broadhead was on the team that traveled to America, right? Yeah, he yeah, he was. And he played pretty well in those, in those games, uh, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, good move for him. I think Sunderland's a, a – you know, you're not going to a regular League One club who's consistently been there. You're going to a Sunderland who right. is familiar to not only fans in, um, in England, but, of course, fans around the world and, and here in America, mm-hmm. obviously, because Sunderland was in the Premier League not too long ago. Um, I think it's a good move. I think as many said in the chat, you know, you hope that he goes there and they, and he, and he just kills. And that's like the best case scenario. Worst case scenario. He doesn't, again, we're getting up there in age. And and Everton has a lot of these players that get up to there to the 23s, 24s and haven't cut it and are still on the U23s. So it's, you know, like we did with Kieran Dowell, like we've done with a couple other players, it's time to just loan them out, see if they can make it and see if they have the talent. And if they don't, then that's it for them, and they move. Um, So yeah. I think this is a good chance for Broadhead. Obviously, a big opportunity for him, and we'll see how he plays out, and we'll have, obviously, updates on the site as um, as that happens. Um, let's get into some more outgoing news before we talk about some of the possible incomings. Uh, obviously, there's been a little bit of speculation today. James on his Twitch channel again, I feel like he's been talking on his Twitch channel. Does he do anything other than play video games? I mean, obviously, he's in isolation right now, so I don't expect anything else. But um, yeah. But it feels like even when he wasn't in isolation, he was, you know, on Twitch. Um, but he's been talking about, um, you know, obviously leaving and the uncertainties and all of that. And he dropped, you know, a little bit of hint that people thought was in regards to Atletico. Um, it was, you know, it's a saying that I believe means, um, you know, never stop believing, I believe is the saying. Yeah. Um, but it also is the motto of Atletico. Many people said that they thought that that was because it, it was the, the caption was soon. Um, mm-hmm. and many people thought it was in regards to him leaving. He um, has come out now, as well as reports saying that there's nothing to it. Atletico have no plans of taking him. But your thoughts on the Hamas situation? It's been kind of a saga now. He's kind of made it very public that I mean, it seems that he wants to leave, and it seems that Rafa, as we've seen in the past with other teams that he's. that that in Real Madrid when Rafa took over, just not in the plans. doesn't work. Rafa, you know, is very keen on on playing defense and playing it well and being committed as a team. And obviously, Mm -hmm. as we saw last year, Hamas doesn't do the defensive thing as as much as, you know, maybe some of the other (laughs) key members of the team. Um, Your thoughts on this whole situation and and whether it's maybe resolved by, you know, the beginning of September. Excuse me.
1: So that's that, that, so a difficult one, right? Um, is is Hamas by far the most talented player on this Everton squad? Absolutely. You know, yeah. the, the, like not not even a debate there, right? Um, he is super talented. Um, I, I think when he is fully fit, his mind is in the game. He is one of the best players in the world. It's uh, it's it, 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 it's the truth. The, the The problem is he is not often fully fit. And he is not often 100% into the game. And and so then does Everton, a team like we are, do we have the luxury or can, can we carry a luxury player like him? Because I think that's the best way to describe him is that he's a luxury player. Um, so, you know, when you are part of the Real Madrid of the world and the Bayern Munich, and I'll even go on to say Manchester City and Manchester United with deep benches, filled with quality international players? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James is out of form? Sit him down. James has a little hamstring niggle? Sure, no problem. We can replace him with anyone else. At Everton, we don't have that luxury, right? If We need, we need that level of performance pretty much every game so as to break into the top six. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can afford to have a player who Um, is rumored to be on 200,000 pounds a week that plays half a season. Um, Now, by any stroke of luck, if we had a youth player that was absolutely tearing it up, costing us minimal wages, and giving us the same output as Hamas to fill in the games that Hamas doesn't play, then sure. But again, with our wage situation and with how bloated the squad is, We can't have anyone on the squad that's not performing consistently and contributing on a regular basis. You know, Hamas' per-game stats, right? If you look at his stats per 90, you know, off the charts, no matter everything you look at, right? Uh, Advanced passes into the box, expected goals, expected assists. Every single metric you can think of, he either led Everton or was in the top two or top three. So, again, if there was any way we could guarantee that we would get 38 games out of Hamas' season, oh my God, sign me up, right? But then I think many, as many have noticed, right? If if Hamas was playing 38 games a season, he wouldn't be at Everton. He would still be in Real or in Bayern or any one of these other guys, right? So... All right, so all of that aside, yeah, I think once Carlo left, uh, obviously Carlo and Hamas seem to have this, you know, father-son type relationship. Um, You know, they've followed each other so many times in the past. So uh, once Carlo left, I think it was pretty much a given that Hamas was going to move on, too. And again, Everton not qualifying for Europe changed, I think, everything, right? So um, I, 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 I fully believe if we were in the Europa League or this Europa Conference League this season, Hamas would have probably gutted it out. Um, but, you know, again, Everton playing zero high-publicity football at this point, and then, you know, Rafa Benitez coming in, someone who he's got like a historical feud with from his time at Real, I think that pretty much sealed it. So I, I, I see almost no chance. Hamas is still on Everton come first September, and if he is, I, I'm afraid it, it's going to be a very lackadaisical, not really interested to be here kind of Hamas, which is unfortunate. You know, I I, yeah. I think uh, I, I feel terrible for all the Evertonians on Merseyside who, uh, you know, we can say Hamas Rodriguez played an entire season for Everton. And somehow, all of these fans have never seen him in person. <laughs> There's, been horrible,
0: him in per- There's been more American fans <laughs> exactly. see him in person. There's been more American fans see him in person.
1: Right? Yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> American Evertonians have actually seen him in person, yeah. but not, not the English fans. So. But I, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It's, it's unfortunate. And yeah, it's, I, I don't see Hamas staying on. I think at this point, it's just a matter of who can afford his wages yeah. and whether Everton can work something out with whoever that is. So, again, uh, there was some talk about AC Milan very early on in the summer. That seems to have gone quiet. Um, you know, I look around at who is flush with cash right now. It's almost no one, you know. Yeah. Uh, who, who does have the money to burn right now? So, this, this, this could get ugly, uglier than it is. That's, and that's unfortunate. Thomas obviously doesn't help the situation. I mean, the, the man knows. He's got he's got clout, right? He's got social media clout. Yeah. And he gets on Twitch, he gets on Twitter, he gets on Facebook, and and there's millions of people following him, and he uses that to his maximum capability. I mean, just like yesterday, the drama with oh, Everton have a game on Saturday. I will not be playing. Oh, come
0: yeah. on, you know, like
1: just just I, I don't know. I I just want this resolved, whichever way it ends.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, um, yes, like you mentioned, does Hamas provide an unbelievable amount of quality and attack? Yes, he does. But I think the, the, the sheer fact of it is if there is a player on this team that is not going to contribute in consistently, like you said, but also in a way that the manager is hoping you to contribute and is therefore sitting on the bench and not happy and, you know, dealing with team morale and screwing with team morale, you know, I I think it's almost considering the fact that we paid $0 for him, zero zero pounds for him. And we, I mean, no matter what we sell him for, we're going to get a profit on him. And it'll get the books, it'll get off the books. And we need players in other areas that we can't buy without selling any players. So in my personal opinion, yes, Thomas brings a lot to the table, but at the same time, it's hard to justify keeping him here when we could be getting a new right back that, you know, you know, could be filling in for Sheamus, or we could be getting another attacking player that fits the role better. That would be, right. you know, a fit for um, Rafa's system, or we could be patching up certain areas of this team. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't make sense to keep him here if he doesn't want to be here and it doesn't fit in here. And and, you know, it's no fault of his own. That's no fault of Rafa's own for having a system that doesn't fit him. You know, Rafa came into this position and I'm sure he tried to, you know, keep him here, but it's just, it was never going to work. I don't think. And I think like you said, once Carlo left, it kind of threw everything out the window and it it kind of changed everything. And I think for Hamas now it's, Um, it's now about just finding him another team that hopefully will take on those wages, pay us a, you know, whatever decent sum of cash. Um, and just, um, just get him out of here because he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to be here, then he doesn't, you know, we said about so many other players and you know, it's, that's how it's gotta be. Um, another player who's linked with the move away and has been is Moise Keen. Uh, for all those wondering, he has reposted everything on his Instagram So we're all back to normal. Everything's back. (laughs) That's good. All the
1: Everton content is back on then. Okay. Yes. All the
0: Everton (laughs) content is back on. Um, but he has been linked most recently with a move to Fiorentina. Uh, if they sell, uh, it has been reports that they're going to sell Dusan uh, Vlaovic. Yes. Yeah. Um, they, there's reports that he's going so that, um, so, um, there's word that they'll want keen. Um, I personally would like we've talked about it before in a couple other podcasts. I would like to keep keen. That would be ideal. I think, I think he would be a good player to have. Um, And I think that, you know, if he's here, he won't be a a distraction to the team. I think he'll play and he'll contribute and be a good piece, whether it's off the bench or in games that Dom can't play or, or just, you know, in games that Dom's playing in as well. Um, What are your thoughts on the keen situation, whether he should leave, you know, how would you like this to play out in your thoughts yeah. on this
1: you know again big fan of keen i i i think he he's got an incredible amount of potential right he he in many ways his the way he plays and his energy and how he sets about in the box reminds me of like a young romelu Lukaku right mm-hmm. yeah. um like, really good finisher on the ball. Uh, he's got, I think he's got a better first touch than Rom does, which is actually yeah. even scarier. But I, I think where Rom was different was Rom had a very single-minded dedication that he was here to play football and not just here, wherever he went, mm-hmm. that he was there mm-hmm. to play football and become the best at his craft, yeah. which unfortunately with Keane seems to be a bit of an issue um, you know he's gotten in disciplinary trouble everywhere he, he, he's played. Um, it happened to him at Juventus um, as part of Italy's under-21 squad. <clears throat> Excuse me. He got he got suspended, or I think he he got like basically uh, removed from a squad the morning of a game because he failed to attend team meetings. Um, even when he showed up at Everton, right? Even though. Um, Marcel Brands and uh, and all made a big uh, thing about welcoming him as family here. Uh, he just seemed like he was more intent on in doing other stuff outside football, right? He got in trouble for breaking COVID curfew and having a party. Uh, just, I, I, I'm having a hard time gauging his interest in being a star, right? Mm-hmm. He was happiest when he was in Paris playing for PSG and playing with some elite level players. And I, I can understand that who wouldn't be thrilled to be put in that kind of circumstances. Um, so at some level, they almost like, is, is, is he too big uh, for a club like Everton? But again, what has he actually done an individual career level that thing that makes him think he's too big. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't proven anything. He hasn't, he hasn't held down a starting spot in any club he's played at. So this is so anyway, so that, that's the good and the bad of the team, right? So, at this point, with Everton needing needing money, I, I I'm okay with pretty much anyone being on the chopping block, right? Uh, I I don't want Dom gone. I definitely don't want Richie gone. Um, I I think Doakoré. I obviously don't want to sell him. But honestly, if we can get value, uh, like good transfer market value for any players, right now, I think Brands should be listening to any calls that come his way because we we need to build a more balanced competitive squad. And so if selling Keen is it, and we have to take an opportunity loss because, you know, I don't know, five years down the line, he becomes the top striker in the world and we sold him for 20 million. Oh, well, you know, right now we needed the 20 million pretty badly. So if we do sell him, all I want to see is a big sell on fee or a percentage or a cut or something put into that clause. But yeah, if he's got to go, so if Hamas and Keen have to go so that we can get about, you know, maybe 30, 35 million of spending money, um, I, I think we can spend that money pretty wisely in this current climate and, and get the output that Keen and Hamas are putting uh, out for us right now.
0: Yeah, I think um, the unfortunate part about it is we need money so that's the unfortunate part about yeah. this whole thing is is players like this become more available and, and much you're much more willing to give them away because we desperately need cash to get other players right. in other areas of need that's not saying that backup striker isn't an area of need um, because we do need yeah. someone who could fill in that role because Dom cannot play forty five games or whatever it is he's going to play this season right. um, you know so he they're going to have to figure that situation out. I like Keane as a player, like you mentioned, at PSG, had success there. There's proven quality at, at the clubs that he's been at. And while he didn't score that much in the few times that he came on for Everton and played for Everton, yeah. he did score in the t- – I think every time he started, he scored. Um, and, yeah. and he does have a, an ability that nobody else on this team has, I think. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. as much as we love Dom, he can't – he doesn't score with his foot a lot. It's a lot of with the head no. or near goal. Um, right. so it is, you know, when he creates his own shots. Keen Keen is he's he's a very solid player, but like you mentioned, we need money. So if he's not going to be an integral part of the squad and want to be here and want to play similarly to Hamas, then yeah. I think it's just something that we need to do. I think Keen is a little bit more salvageable than the Hamas situation right now. I think if he does yeah. end up staying, he will play an integral part of this team. And I would like to see what that is. But at the same time, yeah as you know, we'll talk about, we desperately need a right back. We we need a new right back. Yeah. John Joe Kenny isn't fitting it. And Seamus Coleman's getting old. And as much as he plays well at the beginning of seasons, he does seem to have these really good starts all the time in the middle of yep. the season. He's going to Peter out and we're going to need somebody who can fill that role and, and give him some rest. So we'll see how it all plays out um, in terms of people leaving. Let's just go over really quickly uh, so we can move on. Um, just, some of the people that are coming in um, or, or not coming in, but reportedly uh, we're putting bids in for and whatnot and linked with Matthew Hoppe, the American uh, from Schalke. He's been reported that Everton are putting in or preparing a 2 million uh, pound bid, I believe for him. I know agents were in England this week. I think they're going to be in England this week talking with a number of clubs, you know, the Newcastles, Wolves, Crystal Palace, I believe are all linked with him. And then Aurelio Buta, who is uh, with Antwerp right now in Belgium, he is a right back, also been linked. I think it's 4 million euros is what I've seen been thrown around. So a couple good of those, again, Everton kind of balling on a budget right now, trying to figure out <laughs> what the situation, you know, trying to figure out how to buy these players. Um, and then if um, if we do sell one of these players, there are a number of other players that have been linked with, with Everton and Lorenzo Insigne being one of them who could maybe fill that keen role. Uh, Mateus, I think it's Mateus Nunes um, from yeah, yeah. Uh, Lisbon, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. And then um, Joaquin Correa is is someone who I've just seen Everton linked with earlier. So I'm mm-hmm. um, another tacking player. But your thoughts, kind of just on these guys as a whole, who stands out to you as a player that could fit this system yeah. and work really well? What makes sense? Just kind of quick thoughts on this, so you know we can move on and then you know, before we're taking yeah. too much of these people's time here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us, uh, you know, actually put in bids for both Hoppy and Buta. I, I think both of them are sort of low cost, um, you know, swings at the fences. Um, they could work out. They might not work out. We have not necessarily gained or lost too much. Um, I think the numbers that we've seen seem a little low. I think Hoppy, uh, I think just his recent run with the USMNT tells me that he will not go that cheap. I, I think he's got quite a bit of the spotlight on yeah. him right now. Uh, so that might not be two, that might be closer to say a 5 million euro. Mm-hmm. Uh, are right now, it's interesting. I actually caught bits of that Antwerp game over this weekend and he he, ne- he can't defend. He He's not a defender. I, I, I think he's one of those uh, right backs who's probably better off as a right wing back because he doesn't have to do that much defending. But I will say he's got blinding pace that, that kid can run. I mean, he is fast. So I, I I I don't know what the thinking is going to be for us here. We might sign him and find out he's a better winger. Uh, you know, it seems he's a lot like Sidibe that way. Uh, I, I think uh, they, they, they have a similar playing style. But you know, what you said about Coleman, right? So, Sheamus doesn't even need the whole season before he tires up. Uh, I was terrified of Sheamus the last 20 minutes of the game on Saturday because he just kept getting beat by Musa Genevo, like, and getting yeah. beat, like, terribly. Yeah. Like, he looked like he broke his ankles a couple of times. That was yeah. awful. And I don't know how we did not concede a goal from that, <laughs> you know, our right side. So, we we got got to get something better there. John Kenny's not it, you know, beating that sort of donkey to death on that one. So um, as far as the the other guys' links, you know, sort of on the attacking side of the ball, right? Again, Insigne, old player, concern there, right? Do we need another 30-year-old, 30-plus-year-old on the team? Um, His qualities are obvious. I mean, he is an excellent player. I just don't see him trying to, you know, make a, a career move for Everton at this point. Um, I, I am excited for, uh, I, I think Nunes, I haven't seen too much of him, so I don't know too much about him, but again, he's young, seems to have a lot of potential. So there might be a possibility there, right? Uh, I, I know we're doing business with Sporting Lisbon because I think uh, João Virginia is actually going out on loan to Lisbon. Uh, yeah. I believe he's flying out on Thursday for his medical. So if that ends up happening and they want to send Nunes back the other way, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I think he's a player who can develop in that sort of central attacking midfielder role. Um, Correa, I've watched him play at Lazio for a couple of years at least. Uh, he, is, he is interesting. He's tenacious as heck. Um, he's he's one of those guys who, if he's on your team, you love him to bits. If you're playing against him, you absolutely hate him because he is... Uh, he does all those niggly things that Richarlison does, right? He will get in there. He's he's a fighter. He's mean as heck. Uh, so I love that part about his game. But he is also a, a, a like a, a pretty classy customer on the ball. Uh, he's got great vision. I, I, so uh, from the attacking front, he could he could be good. I just don't see us getting him on the cheap, right? He's he's not yeah. going to come cheap, so yeah, I think we was, might end up having
0: similar. No, similarly, just a butt in, I think him and Insigne are around the same price, around twenty-six million pounds, is what what I'm seeing, which is a lot. right, right. We we don't so have yeah, that, right? So that
1: now. that might <laughs> no, we don't. We might have to sell keen and possibly keen and Hamas to be able to afford one of those guys yeah. and maybe a Hoppy and or Buddha. So I, I I don't see it happening. It's it, it, it's tricky. It, it, it's funny how the whole transfer thing, and, you know, just to put a bow on it, I think, uh, it, it just seems like everyone's waiting for something to happen, right? At first, it looked like everyone was waiting for Inter to sell Lukaku, and then Inter sold Lukaku, and then we were like, oh, Keane's going to go to Inter, and then all the dominoes will fall in place.
2: Yeah. Nope,
1: that seemed to not work. <laughs> and now it looks like we're waiting to find out about Harry Kane, because if Spurs sell Kane, City, then Spurs go by Vlaovic from Fiorentina, then Fiorentina come to us and get Moise Keane, so I guess yeah. we're all waiting on Harry Kane, so it's, yeah. it's uh, I don't know, <laughs> this might all be deadline day and midnight stuff once again
0: Yeah, and which is unfortunate because it's, you know, again, need to get these deals done and I, I, it just feels like every season, Everton it's like they address the need that we have and then they take the entire window to figure it out, it's like every right? single time, it's like and granted, again, this year I think it's it's less their fault. I think some of the things that, because with COVID and and all the different fair play rules, I think is becoming yeah. an, an issue for them. But um, I mean, it's 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 just just get a right back. I mean, that's the most glaring need we have right now is a right back. Yeah, so really however is. we got to do it, we got to get it. A uh, buta, I mean. I, again, I've never seen him play, but if you say that he's not as defensively minded, that worries me a little bit. I would like a player that's a little mm-hmm. bit more both ends of the ball. Um, Ooh, obviously, yeah. I think Dumfries would have been a little bit more in that direction and would have been a key player, but again, he went to Inter, so I right I think that's yeah. where he went. Um, Hoppy, again, great U.S. Men's National Team Gold Cup um, performance. I thought he was really good and really showed what he can do. He's not going to be a piece that comes in here and is an immediate impact. I don't think, I think he's going to be a bench right. piece, and someone who can yeah. make an impact off the bench, which is something that we don't typically have. Um, but he can be a good player for us in certain, in different positions. I know he's played yeah. some striker for Schalke. He played on the wings for uh, the U.S. men's national team. So just a couple things there. And then again, with the guys that you mentioned, Insignia and um, Correa, good players, lots of money nunez a little bit younger probably the more you know makes sense option but again we're gonna have to get rid of some of these center midfielders It feels like we got tons and tons of them so if we're gonna bring <laughs> yep. in another one we're probably going to have to figure that out so um yeah. so we'll, we'll see how that plays out keep you guys updated as the season goes on and the transfer window comes too close here i think it's um about almost two weeks now, right? I think two weeks from yeah,
1: tomorrow? Yeah, exactly two weeks from today, the 31st.
0: Yes, yeah. So um, so that'll be uh, when, when things close up. So there you go. Um, just a couple quick things. Seamus officially named club captain, although I think that that was basically a given. I, I think no surprises. Yeah, yep. no surprises there. And then Huddersfield is confirmed as the uh, Carabao Cup second tie, a second round tie for us. Huddersfield away. It'll take place August 24th. Uh, just quick thoughts on them and, uh, you know, Everton's chances, you know, what you see playing out in that game when things take place. We'll, we'll get into more next week, but, you know, when things happen. Uh, so
1: on Huddersfield, yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be a tricky one. I uh, Cup ties, especially early in the season, um, just when, you know, I, with, our, with our situation, new manager, uh, some new faces. Um, it's going to be interesting. Is he going to try to rest a couple of people for that game? Again, we play Saturday and then Tuesday, so there's not too much of a break in between um, going to Leeds and then going to Huddersfield. So um, if if Rafa decides to rest a few players, that could get tricky for us. Um, Again, Huddersfield, I didn't really watch too much of them last season. I'm trying to think back to when they were here in the Premier League. Decent side, right? Um, But again, uh, when they're... uh, as in any cup tie uh, when you're going away to a smaller club, it always proves challenging. Um, And uh, you know, they're going to have a full stadium. So it's, it's going to get hostile. It's going to get pretty intense. um, You know, like everything else, I I think Everton are going to have to manage that game pretty carefully. Uh, yeah. If we make some mistakes and end up going down like we did against Southampton, it might get very tricky away from home. Like I said, with a home crowd in a cup tie, um, they'll smell blood, and I, I do fear how that could end for us. Uh, Where I don't know, I, I don't. I'm not willing to anoint us a comeback kings quite yet after just one game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, same same thing. I think it's going to be a tricky tie. It's going to be interesting to see how we rotate. Um, with, you know, this is the first real, mid, this first midweek game we have. Um, so that'll be interesting. Well, again, we'll get into all of that next week. Um, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that when we do the podcast after uh, after the game uh, this week. And we're going to get into that game right now after a quick break. We'll take a quick break and then come back with uh, a Leeds preview. All right, we're back and we're talking Leeds-Everton take on uh, Leeds United this weekend, uh, it's, it's an away match at Leeds, uh, August 21st, that's this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern time over here in America, 3 p.m. British Standard Time over there in England, um, Leeds finished tied on points with Everton at 59, but placed in ninth in the table because of, based on goal, goal differential, they had a better goal differential than us, um, they split this. We split the season series with them last year. Leeds defeated us at home, one nothing, and then in no, in November, and then Everton returned the favor on the road to one in February. Uh, Leeds lost the first match of the season to Man United, five one. Calvin Phillips did not feature in that game, a player who has gained a lot of publicity over the last uh, few months with his performances for England. Um, so, I you know that may play into it a little bit, but. Um, let's start with Leeds and talk about them a little bit. They had a good season last year, a solid season last year after coming up from the uh, championship. Is this a team that can repeat doing what they did and be successful, you know, playing the Bielsa ball and, you know, being attack minded and, you know, not having too much in defense?
2: <laughs>
1: it was it was interesting watching Leeds last season, right? I think we saw the best and the worst of the ball, like you put it, right? So, yes. um, it, in some games, they they look positively like electric, right? They look like uh, Manchester City at their best sometimes when they pass the ball around, right? But at the same time, they you know playing the way they do comes at a price because of the de- the holes and the defense that opens up and the number of chances and the quality of chances that they concede um, is, it, 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 it makes for great viewing for a neutral. Um, I, I don't know how Leeds fans watch their games. They must have their hearts <laughs> in their mouths all game long because every attack they go forward, they've just left gaping holes in the back. So uh, like I guess it's got to be fun, but um, so it's interesting. I, again, I have a lot of respect for Bielsa. I think uh, he, he's been around the block Few times, um, so I expect him to have made some changes. I again, is he gonna get more conservative? Probably not. Um, when you look at their relative inactivity in the transfer market, um, I'm not surprised. I think Bielsa is a very system guy. He he likes yeah. to build a system around what he's got, and then he drills his players like ferociously to follow that system. And right now, they have a good system. I, I think it works for them. Um, so I, I without him making significant changes i don't necessarily think they 'll get much better than where they are, so I think they might be in that eighth to tenth sort of uh, spot in the table zone again come the end of the season
0: yeah, I think um like you said, not too much business in the transfer window um, they've kind of kept their same squad um, and, and it, it worked for them last year. I think that maybe teams will maybe start to adapt to it a little bit and start to recognize what yeah. they're going to do. So maybe that'll cause some problems for them. But I think that they'll still be able to do the, the same thing and have goal fests across the board and, you know, beat up on yeah. some teams and look really good. And again, like they did against Man United, look really bad. So um, yeah. I think they're 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 very similar to what they were last year. And I think that's going to show on the – on the pitch week in and week out. Um again, they lost five one to Man United, didn't have Calvin Phillips. How much do you read into this loss? Obviously, it's it's a big game. It's a rival basically a rivalry with a Derby right yeah. off the bat. Um, first right. game of the season, they did not have Calvin Phillips. How much do you read into this loss? Is this just Man United being really good? Of course, we saw them already in the preseason, or is this yeah. leads having some troubles without a key player or just in general having some troubles, you know, on the pitch. Yeah. I,
1: I, I think it, it, it was, it was, it was a, it was a lot of things. Um, I, I'd say it's a lot of small things that kind of got together as a perfect storm that kind of drowned leads at the end of the day for that. Um, you know, United looked good. I, I thought they were very fluid. I thought we saw the good Pogba, which yeah. uh, is, is, doesn't happen very often, <laughs> Um but you know, at the same time, I, I think United's finishing was supreme, and I think that's that's what won them the game.
2: Yeah. When you look at
1: the extra, you know, the expected goal stats for United, I it was actually lower than Everton's. <laughs> I, I so it, it's, it's, impress, it's impressive they somehow converted those into five goals. But you know, there, there were amazing finishes uh, for I want to say at least four or five of the six goals in that game. So there there is that. But you know, Solskjaer doesn't get enough. Credit. I, I think he studied uh, Leeds, and then he outplayed them. Um, the you know Elsa ball is, is is a four one four one predicated on Calvin Phillips being that one shielding yeah. the defense and sort of at the base of of those four sort of forwards, not forwards but really wider players, and and, and that's where Leeds's undoing last week was without Calvin Phillips. Now they were missing that. That Regista role, as it's known in Italy, right? And they yeah. were missing his stable, his stable, his stable presence. Um, and Calvin Phillips plays that game. Bruno Fernandez is marked out of the game, and we don't get a 5 1 score. I, I think it's that simple. But the other factor that I really saw in that game, which I did not see last season with Leeds, was Leeds, when they have that 4 1 4 1 on the pitch, they press. Pretty, they're they're like savage on the press, right? Yeah. When you've got five players sitting in for for like say Everton in Everton's half, it, it becomes very difficult for us to play out the back, right? Yeah. And 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 they were not pressing that with that much intensity, and, 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 and it bit them um, more than once. You could see uh, Bruno Fernandes or Pogba, and, and and United lined up pretty interestingly. United were in a four two three one. Not very different from what we played against Southampton. But yeah. in the three that they had up front behind the striker, you had Pogba playing wide left and Fernandes in the middle. But they kept swapping interchangeably all game long.
2: Yeah. And
1: that just threw leads off. Um, Fernandes kept dropping back to pick up the ball in his own half. You don't see that happen very often. Yeah. And so that that's where, when you start talking about how do Everton line up against them, I think we go exactly the same way we did against Southampton with possibly the same lineup, at least for midfield and the forwards. Uh, in defense, oh, oh my God, I hope Godfrey's back and I hope Mina's back because I, I really want to see two much more uh, better tacklers and more mobile players than Keenan Holgate because uh, otherwise, Patrick Bamford will absolutely tear us apart
0: yes yeah that 's what you know worries me and again it, I, the, with the five one loss, you know I think it's good to notice Leeds played a good fifty minutes. they tied the game up in the 49th yeah. minute this was one one you know w- w- fifty minutes into this match, um, yeah. but then they had a really bad twenty minutes after that, gave up four goals, and then those twenty minutes, and then it was it was all but lost after that um right. Uh, yeah, I think it was four goals in in those 20, but still either way. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they kind of just fell apart there and, um, it'll be interesting to see how, um, things change when Calvin Phillips gets back in there. I think that'll significantly help them. I don't know if he'll play a full 90 against us, but I would imagine they, we see him at least a little bit. Um, I'm surprised. I I would imagine he would have gotten in this game as well if it wasn't five one. Um, but yeah um but it'll be interesting to see how that uh kind of shapes them um in terms of attacking them I, I think that yeah I mean the biggest thing is they're going to I mean they're, they're going to tear us apart like, I mean we saw Che Adams and Adam Armstrong give this these that center back pairing <laughs> trouble so if we yeah. don't have a different center back pairing I mean they're they're gonna cause some issues so it'll be interesting to see how um, Benitez lines up I would expect him again as we know he's typically more on the defensive side of things and focuses on the defensive side I wouldn't be surprised, surprised if we just sit back a little bit and try and hit them on the counterattack because they are very exposed yep. with how much they push forward um, so that right. would be that would be something I would be looking for how do you expect the Toffees to line up this weekend
1: yeah, so I think the four-two-three-one is the way to go. I just don't think we'll emphasize playing out the back as much. Yeah. Uh, I I think the key there is going to be who's going to play attacking midfield for us. Obviously, uh, Hamas I guess has ruled himself out of the game. So, you know, in that case, then, um, I'm assuming it's still going to be Alan and Dokere as the two midfielders, and then. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see whether it's Richardson out wide and Gray in the middle to begin with. Um, I, I think Townsend did enough to keep Iwobi out of the lineup on the right side of midfield. So um, I'm assuming for the forwards and midfielders, it will be exactly the same lineup as against Southampton. Um, the key there is going to be how much Gray can come back and help um, sort of neutralize uh, Calvin Phillips, right? Yeah. So when Calvin Phillips is the ball, um, it's either got to be Gray or Richardson or maybe a combination of the pair of them um, absolutely hounding him, getting on top of him all the yeah. time. Um, I think Dini is going to need some help with Rafinha. Uh, I think Rafinha is a, is an amazing forward who I really wish we had, um, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, no, so, so I think he's going to give Dini a fit. Uh, I think Dini is going to need some help. Um, you know, managing him. So I think Alan might shade over to that side. And then Ducari is going to probably be then charged with sort of running the middle of the, of, of the pitch. Uh, that, that's got to be the way we, we attack them.
0: Um, you know, yeah. they're not
1: going to give us much time on the ball. We necessarily can't give them too much time on the ball
0: either. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I think you hit it the nail on the head. I think it'll be interesting if Ducari can play like he played, Uh, In the second half there with Gray in the middle, maybe that could be a good combination moving forward in terms of them kind of playing off of each other and then having Richarlison out wide, having Townsend out wide, and then uh, Calvert-Lewin through the middle. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I would assume, again, we don't know who we're getting back. We don't know. I don't really know what the isolation rules are over there um, and and what their deal is. I mean, again, Hamas is apparently not playing, I guess. um, So that rules (laughs) him out, but... If we get Gabamin, yeah. do we see Gabamin in a role somewhere? Do we see um, obviously Godfrey is another big player? Um, I would yeah. imagine Gomez would be on the, Gomez would be on the bench in some facet, um, mm-hmm. and then who knows where Keen is? What whether he's playing if he's in the squad or not? Yeah. Um, so I think there's if we do get um, if we do get these players back, it'll be interesting to see how the squad shapes up now with with a full squad. Yeah. Um, but again, like you said, it's going to be kind of not giving them time on the ball. Um, I think you're going to have to soak up some of the pressure that they provide because they are so sure. consistently pushing forward. Um, but I think yeah. that they're very – I think that they can be very susceptible on a counterattack. And I think that we have the players that in Gray with the quickness that he provides with, with and down yeah. one wing, Townsend down the other wing and, um, you know, DeCory up the middle and, and Calvert-Loon up the middle, I think that could provide some some – you know, quality and attack where we can, you know, kind of take advantage of them. Um, yep. Predictions. Let's go into that. What are your, what's your <laughs> prediction for this game? Um, and what, how do you see this one playing out?
1: You know, one, one of the hallmarks of, of, of Leeds I saw last season was that, you know, they, they, they're not afraid to take a shot. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how far out they are. They they shoot from everywhere. I, I think in the two games we played against them, they might have uh, they might have hit the woodwork at least half a dozen times. I think combined in the two games. So I'm not going to be surprised if you get a couple of worldly goals in this game. You know, just shots flying in from 35 yards out, bouncing off someone, uh, deflecting over. So. Um, I I I I want to believe so even without overreacting, I want to believe that uh, you know uh, Rafael unlocked some magic potential in this team. So I'm going to go out and say two two on this one. I I don't see us winning quite yet. I I see i I I'm hoping for an entertaining end to end game, um, but uh, I I think we're going to grit this one out. I I think we're going to go down early. We'll find a goal to pull back. Um, they're gonna swarm us, and we'll somehow pull another one. Uh, they're gonna score again; it'll be two-one. And since Bielsa ball means they don't ever sit back on the lead, uh, we're gonna find a find a gap somewhere on a counter, and then and then tie this one up late two-two. I say.
0: Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was gonna say. Two-two. Um, don't have the confidence yet to predict a win, especially in a game <laughs> like this. I just expect there to be goals. Like, I'm expecting goals from right. both sides, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be – which is surprising because we do talk about leads and how open they are and how much they, how much of a threat they can pose. And the games were one nothing and 2-1 last uh, last. I game. know, right? But I, I yep. think that with Everton's attacking ability and kind of the – you know, if they have that same fluidity that they have against – had against Southampton. Exactly. Of course, leads, yep. bringing Calvin Phillips back in. I think that could cause for a nice, like you said, end-to-end game. and hopefully Everton are on the, the right end of it. Um, but I think you and me both are on the same page here with a two, two draw. So we'll see how it plays out. Calvin, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for, for giving us the time and, and talking a little Everton with us. Awesome. Thanks, Gina. Good talking to you again, man. Yeah, absolutely. And to you guys out there, make sure you keep liking, subscribing, commenting, whatever you got to do to get this podcast each and every week, make sure you're doing it. We appreciate all the support and we'll talk to you guys next week.